So I have Ryan O'Reilly getting paid six million bucks for five years going back to St. Louis. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 176 of the podcast. Uh, just Melbs and Cody for this one. Uh, Abrams is uh, is tied up for this one. So, uh, Chad, just you and I, and uh, we're coming off a great weekend, as it always is, uh, with our, our ball hockey tournament, formerly known as the Pepsi Cup, now the Boys in the Booth Ball Hockey Classic. What a great weekend that was. Congrats again to our good pal Adam James and the no-name nailers on winning their second title in the last three years so congrats to them what a great weekend that was you're back in toronto now how you doing man doing well a great weekend for sure i feel like the days leading up to that weekend are the most fun of the summer because there's so much buzz around that tournament and everybody thinks they can win you know and then the tournament comes and you're playing and it's equally as fun as well and then all of a sudden the tournament's over and if you didn't win then you're thinking to yourself damn it's over i gotta wait till next year and that was the situation for both you and i and casey who was on my team we didn't get the job done Corey's team who you were playing for didn't get the job done that's uh 10 straight years for Corey without oh. a trophy. 2013 was the last time he won it. So I think actually it's 12 tournaments, but uh, the 10th straight year. So no good for him. No good for us. We got those beautiful rings and not a single member of the boys in the booth got to wear them. So that was a bit unfortunate, but you know, it is what it is. It's all in good fun. There's a bit of a controversial call in the finals that uh, we had to have a conversation about amongst the captains. I'm sure I'm going to hear about that one for a long time coming because it was a bit of a turning point in the game, even though it was 1-1 after the first period. But yeah, all in all, it was a fantastic weekend. Always love it. And for me, the highlight was Adam and some other guys on his team, Nick, Cam, etc., taking the cup out to the bar because that was yes. just like, like for me watching that, that cup that I made, you know, 12 years ago or whatever 11 years ago i think seeing that just being paraded around inside the key storm and the bar and people wanting to take pictures and stuff as if it's the stanley cup i just think it's so funny so what what a great weekend and for me that was one of the highlights because i wasn't able to to win like i did last year but yeah uh, you mentioned it too i'm back in toronto so uh things are going well there it's nice to be home to sleep in my own bed see page etc so yeah just uh back into the swing of things and then this coming weekend is going to be another big one for the boys i know you have the regatta and that concert and uh, i've got some festivities planned for canada day as well so the boys are busy and that's actually the reason why it's just the two of us because casey is a busy boy tonight as well doing something on a boat somewhere and having some fun but yeah overall boys are doing well and uh, we're ready to talk about some ufas yeah definitely and and before we get into all that uh, a couple of big trades that we saw today obviously the uh as we're recording this on 
Tuesday night. This will be out on Wednesday, the same day as the NHL draft. And by the way, you can uh, head over to uh, boysinthebooth.com or uh, wherever you get your podcasts and you can listen to our mock draft episode that we did last week ahead of the NHL draft, uh, which again is on Wednesday night when this uh, when this podcast will be released on uh, on Wednesday. So yeah, a couple of big trades today. There's been a lot of activity. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois goes to the LA Kings, as that was rumored, and gets a, a long-term extension right away. Eight years, $8.5 million AAV. Alex Iafalo, Rasmus Kupari, Gabe Velarde, who had a nice breakout season with the Kings this year, and a second rounder go to the Winnipeg Jets. So pretty good deal there for, for both sides. It'll be interesting to see how uh, the return shakes out for Winnipeg. And then the deal between Calgary and the New Jersey Devils. We knew that Tyler Toffoli wasn't going to re-sign in Calgary as uh, as others won't be as well, we, we expect. Uh, so it's Yegor Sharangovich, the 25-year-old forward and a draft pick uh, going to the uh, Calgary Flames in exchange for Tyler Toffoli. So he gets to go to a good young team on the rise and uh, Casey's not with us for this one, but I'm sure he's pretty excited about that. So couple of big deals and oh man you gotta love the offseason it's it's just gonna keep getting busier with with all kinds of activity around the draft and after and going into free agency on july 1st so exciting times for sure definitely and personally i hope brad for living is cooking something up before the draft because there are a lot of big decisions to make in toronto and some good players are being snatched up via trade already not saying that pld or even to was linked to the leaves at all because i don't think either of them were but you know it, it's just an indication that the offseason is well underway the draft is coming up uh tomorrow and like things are going to start moving really quickly so i'm just hoping that uh, the newest GM of the Maple Leafs is is uh, able to get some work done and maybe has some tri- tricks up his sleeve as well. Well, knowing uh, Brad Tree Living and, and how he is as a GM and his track record and all that, he's one of those guys that calls on everybody. So you definitely know that he's cooking something or multiple things behind the scenes so it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, with tree living and your toronto maple leafs so chad let's get into this one uh episode 176 we're going to talk about the top five unrestricted free agents heading into uh the opening day of free agency on canada day july 1st so it's a quick turnaround we've got the draft on wednesday night and then a couple of days after it's uh, it's the, the opening day of free agency, so it's exciting times ahead. So what we've done is we've identified the uh, the top five UFAs, and we're going to go through and, and uh, you know, predict their next contracts and where they're going to sign. And what we've actually done, and you can do this as well if you want, it's a really fun exercise, a challenging one, I will say, but you can go to Cap Friendly, uh, a great resource, and uh, you can actually do a little armchair GM and make some signings, trades, all of that. And so that's what I did. I know that you were looking at that earlier as well. And so with these uh, top five UFAs, tried to, you know, um, sign them to, to teams that 
I thought made sense and also made sense for these clubs under the salary cap, which is going to be a challenge, as we know, because the cap is only going up by a million dollars. $83.5 million is what the salary cap will be per team heading into the uh, 23-24 season. So, Chad, let's start with our uh, our number one UFA, and uh, I think it's it's a pretty easy choice for first on our list, and that's Ivan Barbashev, now a two-time Stanley Cup champion with the St. Louis Blues and now the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, he fit like a glove in Vegas. What a playoff run that he had, and... Uh, We'll start with with Barbashev. So let's get your contract prediction for uh, for the Russian forward. Yeah, so if I can figure out how to make this not blur me, that would be great. I'm sure the YouTube uh, viewers are going nuts about this. Hello, no more blurriness, please, Mr. Camera. Uh, but yeah, we'll start with Ivan Barbashev, the 27-year-old. Uh, the highest point total he's ever had is 60 in 81 games played. Um, he had 45 in 82 this year. And as we all know, he's a cup champ as well. So that is uh, an important factor factor to consider um, being a cup champion, especially because of his playoff run as well. He had 18 points in 22 games played in these playoffs. And like we mentioned it, I I think it was a few episodes ago um, while we were still talking about the playoffs. And I said, I'm pretty sure this guy's deal is up. And if that's the case, which it is, he's going to get paid. And that's what I think is going to happen. I think a team is probably going to overpay him given his track record of production. Um, But here's the deal. I think he could go to a team like Carolina for a nice, simple five times five deal. You might think he could get more than that. You might think he could get a little bit less. But I think given the market, how it is right now, pretty thin, by the way, for UFAs. I think that Barbashev atop the list could get a nice little five by five deal in Carolina. I thought it made sense in Carolina because they're a team who, you know, every year they've been really good in the regular season and in the playoffs, they haven't been able able to get over the hump. And whether you think that's because of a lack of true superstars or, or what it is, or, or maybe they're soft or whatever, Ivan Barbashev, I think would fix that. He's a guy who can produce in the playoffs. Like we saw just this year. And he's a guy who brings that different element that I don't think Carolina has a lot of, or at least if they have a guy who has that element, I'm talking about that grit, the guy who battles like crazy, and is tough to play against it's not from their top guys like Aho, Svechnikov Natchez even so I think he would be a great fit in Carolina if they decide that that's the way they want to go the only reason I think it maybe wouldn't work out in Carolina is that they're a team known for not overpaying players so if the bidding gets out of control I mean I, I would expect them to be out but that's my prediction what do you, what do you think of that one Harp? I uh, I like it, man. Uh, Carolina definitely um, is a team that struggles offensively. We we've talked about that before, and I think part of it is, uh, and you know, this is not anything against Rod Brindamore. He's a phenomenal coach, but I just think that they they play a system that is so 
heavily focused on defense and a lot of dump and chase and forecheck and they have to work so hard to score goals and so I think a guy like uh, like Barbashev who's got that offensive talent he's only 27 years old coming off the playoff run that, that he just had I mean that that would be a, a dream of a first line I think of Barbashev with Svechnikov and, and Sebastian Ajo in, in Carolina I think that would be incredible so I could see it for sure and uh, that would be a, a very interesting negotiation because as we know Carolina sets a price and they uh, they tend not to go very far above uh, their desired price for a player so I could see it for sure. That's right. And I thought also, too, um, and this this is relevant. I don't know what they're going to do with Max Pacioretty or what his deal will even look like because he is also a free agent. So if they choose not to bring him back, they would have the space to bring in a guy like Barbashev. But then, of course, if they choose to bring him back, even if it's for, you know, two, three million bucks on a, on a one year deal, because, you know, he didn't play all last year, so you don't really know where he's at or if he is going to play. But that would complicate things. So everything is all up in the air right now. But I think the fit, the, the team fit, I think, makes a lot of sense. Um, and what I wanted to say, too, you're talking about the cap-friendly armchair GM. That's a bit complicated as well right now because, as we know, so much can change in terms of cap space, especially on a day like tomorrow at the draft. So, you know, even what we're talking about right now, like if Cap Friendly shows a team has four and a half million dollars, well, that could be 10 tomorrow or that could be zero tomorrow. So it, it's all very up in the air. And especially this early in the offseason, it is a bit difficult to predict where that cap space is going to be for each team but it at least gives us a ballpark so I wanted to mention that as well because as yeah. I went through cap friendly and was looking through the teams I tried to do that I tried to fit it under the cap which made a lot of sense at the time but then also you have to consider that it's just so so variable at this point in the off season so oh it is it's such a difficult um, exercise to do and such a difficult thing to try and predict but uh, yeah so going to me now with with Barbashev uh, I've got him staying with the Vegas Golden Knights surprise surprise and uh, you you've got five times five I've got him just under five million i've got him staying in vegas with a nice 4.9 his jersey number 49 so that that would be nice uh times four years so i think that you know with the price a little lower um given that that vegas just won the stanley cup and you know they've as of right now they've only got around eight and a half million dollars in cap space uh, i think that they would be able to talk barbashev into a nice deal like that 4.9 times four years and then, you know, afterwards, he would only be 30 years old and and potentially could cash in on another deal, either with Vegas or another team. So that's what I've got for Barbashev. And, you know, it, it allows Vegas to also re-sign Aiden Hill to that rumored 4.9 times two years that we've seen reported by Elliot Friedman so you'd be able to take care of that as well and uh, just as a, as a roster move that they can make to free up a little bit of space to bring both of those guys back because Vegas is in a nice spot for next year they've got the majority of that roster all signed all under contract and back for next year to potentially 
go on on a big run. So if they want to send out a guy like William Carrier, uh, he's he makes one point four million for another year. Uh, you you could probably get a, a decent return for a good bottom six forward like that. So I just I I had Carrier traded to the St. Louis Blues where he was drafted for a third round pick. Let's say just to just to make it all work financially. So that's what I have. Barbashev staying in Vegas four point nine million times four years. What do you think? I could see that happening as long as they can make it fit with both guys under the cap. Because like you mentioned, that 4.9 deal for Aiden Hill, we think is as good as done. Like it, it, It's probably ready to go. And I don't know if I agree with that deal. I think that's a bit of an overpay. And even Barbashev at 4.9 or 5 million, I think that could also be an overpay depending on what his regular season production is. But, you know, Vegas... They're, they're able to keep the guys they want and they're able to get rid of the guys that they don't and they seem to do it every year and they're ruthless about it so even if one of those deals doesn't work out I could see them moving on from a player like Barbashev or Hill if that if those deals don't work out but yeah it's all about the cap situation if they can fit them both under it would make a lot of sense and I'm sure he would love to return to Vegas where he just won the cup And now, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, it's non-GMO, and it's free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite right now is lemon lime so get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout that's 20% off anything in the store when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com experience better hydration today with liquid iv this podcast is also sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll move on to uh, the number two uh, UFA on our list out of our top five, and that's Dmitry Orlov. The Russian defenseman went from Washington to the Boston Bruins at the trade deadline, along with uh, Garnet Hathaway, and uh, just like Barbashev with Vegas, uh, Orlov fit like a glove with the Boston Bruins, uh, you know, even though they uh, unfortunately lost in, in round one to the Florida Panthers as we know, but Orlov was a good player there. I don't think he re-signs with the Boston Bruins, though. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, where do you see Dmitry Orlov ending up, and is it back in Washington? Well, so unlike Ivan Barbashev, I don't think that Dmitry Orlov will be able to re-sign in Boston like you think Barbashev will be able to in Vegas. There's just no way Boston's able to afford it. 
Washington's an interesting case. I thought about that a lot, but I kind of wanted to go off the board for this one. Um, but before I give you the team and contract prediction, I'll just read a couple of stats to tell you why he's so valuable. He played the most minutes of any player on the UFA list this year. So any player whose contract is up, he played the most um, at about 22 minutes a night. So consistent top pair or top four minutes on two pretty good teams. I know Washington didn't finish very highly this year, but it's still a pretty good team. They just had some injury trouble and they're in a bit of a retool situation. But Boston, like that's a great team and he still played top four minutes for them as well. He's been a remarkably consistent, around 30-point player from the back end, driving a little bit of offense from back there, which is great to have, makes a great first pass, and is responsible in his own end as well. He did have 17 points in 23 games with Boston going into the playoffs after the trade deadline, which was phenomenal in my opinion. He was kind of carrying some of the offense on the back end there, along with a guy like Hampus Lindholm, who, by the way, did you see that he finished in the top six, I want to say, in Norris voting? Lindholm, you see that? Yeah, I sure did. Rasmus Dahlin was eighth in voting. That was wild to me. Dahlin was tough. the front runner almost for like half a season and then finished yeah. eighth. But anyway, so Orlov's a hell of a player. He's coming off of a deal that paid him 5.1 for six straight years. I think he'll get a little bit of a raise on that. My prediction is $6 million times five years uh, in Florida. And I think Florida makes sense because that's a team who I think is restructuring their blue line. We know that they give up a ton of scoring chances against, and they're going to be losing a guy like Radko Gudis in the offseason because I don't think they really want to pay him what another team will in UFA. I think Gudis is going to get overpaid, and I think Florida knows that, and they're probably happy to see him walk. I could be totally wrong. I know they like the player, but I think someone will give him you know, probably too much money, like Nick Letty money, maybe like a, a four times four or something like I, yeah, I could, could see happen. it, man. Couldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I could. I could see it, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so I've got him going to Florida. I think it makes a ton of sense. Plays the left side, can move the puck, can create some offense, take the burden off of a guy like Aaron Ekblad. And we forget, too, like they don't have Mackenzie Weger anymore, and their back end is pretty thin. If they didn't have Bobrovsky in the playoffs, I don't know where they would be because that back end gives up a ton. So I think Orlov just makes a ton of sense there. What do you think? I, I do think it makes a, a ton of sense as well. We know that uh, Florida is going to be looking to uh, to add, especially to their depth on, on the blue line. Um, but uh, the the only thing I wonder about is is if it works financially for them in the long run. Because let's not forget that in a year from now they're going to need to give new extensions to guys like Brandon Montour and Gustav Forsling, who I think they absolutely want to keep. And as they should, I mean, those are two important defensemen to them. I mean, my goodness, Montour had 73 points this season. You could have made a case for him to, to win the Norris trophy and he had a really good playoffs as well. But uh, in terms of the fit and adding to that blue line, I think a guy like Orlov would, would be perfect. Well, and the reason I think it could work financially is that, you know, this season at times, I know there was one point where they had to keep Duclair out of games when, by all accounts, he was healthy because the salary cap didn't work. I don't think there's a chance they go into next year having to hold guys out 
for on LTIR because the salary cap doesn't work. Like I think they figure it out up, up front and restructure a bit, and then if they do that and are able to sign Orlov for you know what did I say six times six, six times five, whatever it yeah. is. That top four all of a sudden looks pretty good and is pretty damn competitive amongst contending teams. So, you know, I, I think the fit is there. I think that they could swindle it financially if they wanted to. It'll all kind of depend what happens at the draft. Yeah, definitely. So talking about uh, Orlov, I kind of have a, an off-the-board pick for for him as well. I don't have him going back to the, to the Washington Capitals because, uh, as we know, I think that um, – the negotiations kind of fell off between Orlov and the Caps and I'm sure he'd love to go back to Washington he's expressed that but I think term was the issue there uh but I mean after the the season that he had and uh, and the playoffs um I, I think that you know there will be a lot of potential suitors that will give him that term that that he wants so I've kind of got a, a bit of an off the board pick I've got him going to the Dallas Stars on a uh, on a deal around five and a half million times five years so uh, about half a million short com- compared to your deal there Chad so now this would be more of a challenge financially for the Dallas Stars. The only way that I could see this happening, and Dallas would have to do it in a couple of days uh, before the buyout window closes, but uh, I think they would have to buy out a guy like Ryan Suter. He's got two years left at $3.65 million, and we saw that he really struggled in the playoffs, and uh, I just think that because he struggled so much, you know, Dallas just didn't have a lot on the back end and I think that that hurt them especially against the Vegas Golden Knights in that in that Western Conference Finals because that that blue line on the Golden Knights was just unbelievable so I think if Dallas can can buy out Suter in in the next couple of days and I mean it's a huge hypothetical but it's something that's been out there if they can also move on from a guy like Colin Miller who only has a year left on his contract at just under 2 million around 1.85 you know if they can send him to a team like Chicago for example who you know cap space is not an issue and it gives them a, a player that can help them a little bit they could make this work with Dmitry Orlov and then you've got a guy who can play with Haskinen you elevate Thomas Harley in the lineup as well he uh, maybe becomes a, a top four guy and then that improves your blue line because I, I do feel feel that uh well i think all of us feel that dallas is very much in that uh championship window with the group that they have so um yeah i've got uh i've got orlov to the stars kind of an off the board pick but uh, i've got him going there five and a half mil times five years yeah i could see that happening and i like the fit too but like you said, there are a few things that have to happen for the money to work there. And I think they also want to try to keep Max Domi. So it depends what his number comes in at as well. That's true. So there's a lot to consider, but Domi was really good for them down the stretch and in the playoffs. So I think that's a player they like and want to keep. And he even tweeted, uh, 
I think it was yesterday or whenever the awards were last night, I guess. Yeah. And he said, you know, it's crazy how Heiskanen wasn't in the top three in Norris trophy voting because he thinks he's that good and he is, and he carries that back end. And that's a little bit of the problem. You need a bit more there, which is kind of crazy because, you know, just a few years ago, when you looked at that blue line, you thought, wow, you know, that's pretty strong, but You've got some players aging. Ryan Suter, I thought at the time after the buyout, was a great pickup. But again, he's a bit of an older guy. And even though he doesn't make the crazy money he once was in Minnesota, you know, it's still money that could be used elsewhere um, better. And if that's on Dmitry Orlov, they get better immediately. Um, I just don't know if the money works. We'll have to see. Yeah, exactly. And and just as a side note for the Stars, I wonder if maybe Oliver Ekman Larson could be a fit there. The the cost would be a lot cheaper than Dmitry Orlov. And as we know, OEL is is a free agent after being bought out by the Vancouver Canucks, so maybe that could be an option. They've certainly gone down that road before, as we mentioned with Suter, where, you know, a, a good defenseman gets bought out and then becomes available. So maybe they go down that route again. And and you're right, Max Domi certainly could sign an extension there I don't think it's a it's a guarantee that he's returning to Chicago that that's certainly been out there he he certainly liked playing there but he did fit really well with with the Dallas Stars so um, it'll be interesting to, to see what happens there just before we wrap up here on on the Stars and Orlov what if the Stars circle back to a guy like Klingberg now that he's not perceived to be worth as much money as he was a couple years ago? That That's true, too. And yeah. they know the guy. It's a good fit. I mean, he, you know, the, the reason that they traded him out or, or the reason that he wasn't kept in Dallas was because he wanted a long-term deal and Dallas didn't feel like it was worth it. Maybe they circle back and say, okay, like, you know, you've kind of bounced around the league a, a little bit now. And I mean, he went to Anaheim and didn't have a very good year, but maybe they say, listen, maybe you're not the $7 million player. Maybe you're a $5 million player for, you know, three years or something. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out here right now. But Klingberg's another guy who's up this year. It's been rumored that he'll go to another, uh, you know, dumpster team and then they'll just flip him at the deadline for picks similar to what we thought would happen last year and similar actually to a Max Domi, which did happen last year. So just throwing something out there. I, I could maybe see that working if the Orlov thing falls through yeah no i i could see that as well uh all right number three on our list we have ryan o'reilly who of course was uh picked up by your toronto maple leafs at the deadline along with uh nola chari in a deal with the st louis blues and uh o'reilly was uh was a big factor his nickname by the way f- is is factor and and so he was uh he played great for the toronto maple leafs and uh you know he's a guy that's getting older the offensive production has certainly fallen off a little bit but I think on a contending team or a team looking to take the next step and and get into the postseason um, he could be the perfect third line center I I think in in my opinion Um, big fan of this player and just such a reliable veteran so he's number three on our list what is happening with Ryan O'Reilly and is he returning to the Maple Leafs Chad yeah, so the 32-year-old Ryan O'Reilly, you said you were men- or you were a bit, little bit worried about the production. For me, 
I'm less worried about the production and a little bit more worried about the foot speed, especially if he's going to be a guy who keeps playing down the middle, whether it's in the top six or the bottom six for a team. Just because when he played in Toronto and watching him every game, like he was able to get on the scoreboard, especially on the power play, just being a guy out front of the net. The problems came when the puck went the other way. And even though he's a great defensive center and is most of the time in the right position, when he's out of position, you know it because he's not going to get to that right position for a while because he, he his foot speed has declined so much. But I, I mean, I mentioned that the production was still there. He had nine points in 11 playoff games with Toronto and he has 65 points in 75 playoff games in his career. So he's still able to put up points. Just like I said, the foot speed is something I'm a little bit concerned with. However, I will say that I think he is still the, the, the current best centerman on the market right now in, in the UFAs, anyways, among UFAs. I don't know if there's a better one out there. Even a guy like Jonathan Taves, I don't think he is close to what Ryan O'Reilly is anymore. I think Taves no. has slowed down even more. Might get a million or two bucks to play on a fourth line somewhere this year if he plays. But I think Ryan O'Reilly is kind of the big fish. And for that reason, I don't have him coming back to Toronto. I don't think the Leafs will be able to afford him. So I have Ryan O'Reilly getting paid six million bucks for five years going back to St. Louis. St. Louis being a team who for the next couple years would be okay with overpaying Ryan O'Reilly a little bit. I don't think it hurts them that much because I think their competitive window has closed and they're now on that retool grind, which will be another couple years until they're competitive again. And I think as it's, as we sit right now, Ryan O'Reilly is still about a $5 million player. And to me, it doesn't make sense for him to stay in Toronto. Someone's going to overpay him. I think it'll be St. Louis. They know the guy. He would be a great leader for some of the younger players coming in there as they go through their retool. And then if, in a few years, when he's still making you know, a little bit too much money, I think they're okay with it because the cap has gone up another $10 million. And $6 million is the new you know, three and a half million. So that's what I think. This one is a little bit crazy for me because the dollar amount AAV is so high, but you know, he is a good player. He still produces at a pretty good clip, albeit a lot of it is on the power play. Um, The foot speed has declined, but still a good player, man. So what do you think about that deal? Going back to St. Louis. Well, I I think it's, it's definitely possible uh, even with, the addition of Kevin Hayes to the uh, to the St. Louis Blues, but um, you know th- this has been rumored out there for for a while that uh, he would like to go back to St. Louis, and and I'm sure that the Blues would would love to have him back. I mean, he won the Conn Smythe Trophy in in uh, in that 2019 Cup run, so. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that they would overpay him. It is uh, a little bit of a drop from his $7.5 million cap hit, which, of course, is is going to happen, but not much. He's, he's still a good player, and I can see that. You know, the fits there, the familiar, uh, familiarity and everything, and um, we, we know th- uh, what we know about Doug Armstrong is that, uh, you know, he – he kind of reset at the deadline, but he wants to be right back in it next season, uh, rightly or wrongly. 
And, uh, you know, they, they want to be a playoff team again. And bringing back a, a guy that uh, that meant so much to that organization as Ryan O'Reilly. And, I mean, it's no question that they weren't the same without him when, when they lost him. You know, he was the captain of that team, the, the leader. And so I could see it, man, definitely. And I do agree that he's uh, probably the best center available on the UFA market. Mm-hmm. So... I've got uh, I've got O'Reilly going to kind of an interesting team and uh, kind of like St. Louis, you know, rightly or wrongly, this team is is not looking to go into a big long rebuild. They want to be competitive and make the playoffs next season. So I have O'Reilly going to the Vancouver Canucks, and uh, yeah, I know you're you're laughing at this one, but uh, but look, I mean, it, it's out there that. Vancouver is desperately looking for a third line center and I think that uh, he could be a, a, a perfect fit you know I mean it's it's a it's a matter of whether or not O'Reilly would want to go there um, you know he I'm sure he wants to win another championship and certainly Vancouver isn't close but as we've seen with a team like Florida they they had the goaltender man who kind of uh, who carried them and so if Thatcher Demko can you know stay healthy and get back to that uh, that number one stud goaltender that we've seen in the past you know who knows Vancouver could could go on a run and God I hate saying that but uh, but we know how they think again rightly or wrongly so I've got O'Reilly going there on a, uh, a bit of a shorter term deal I've got him going for around uh, four and a half to five million times three years going to the uh, the Vancouver Canucks and so with the Ekman Larson buyout and uh, they're probably not going to be qualifying Ethan Bear I mean we'll see but it, it doesn't look like they will be They've got uh, a little over $12 million in cap space as of right now. So you could bring in a guy like O'Reilly to, to fill that third-line center role. Maybe you send out a, a guy like Connor Garland or Anthony Bavillier, who both make uh, you know a little over uh, $4 million to you know give yourself some extra space. Because as we know, Elias Pedersen is up in a year, and, uh, and that deal is going to be massive. But I think that... Uh, you know, given that third line center need, I think O'Reilly would be a great fit in Vancouver. And the fact that they want to be competitive and be in the playoffs next year, again, rightly or wrongly, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, would O'Reilly be willing to go to a, a team like Vancouver? Yeah, while I think it's a good fit for the team, I don't think it's a good fit for the player. I don't think he would be interested in going to Vancouver. I mean, a lot could change. Who knows? And maybe they make him an offer that he can't refuse and it's the highest offer and he just goes to the highest bidder or whoever gives him the most term. But I I just don't see it happening, especially for four and a half million, because I think at that price on a three year deal, the Leafs would probably keep him to be honest because yeah fair enough at, at four and a half million to be your 3c you know like everybody talks about the leafs cap situation how it's how they're in a bit of a squeeze they're really not they have a ton of money to spend this year especially if they move matt murray and don't buy him out and just move him you know including a pick as a sweetener well there's your four and a half right there and that could be ryan o'reilly so 
If it's that low, I think Toronto keeps him. I don't think they go over a number like five and a half. And I especially don't think they want to go term on it as well. But the reason that I thought he could get something like six by six is because he's currently 32. If he only gets three years, he's not going to be very, he's going to be 35. And then he's not going to be able to cash in again. He's going to have to sign a one-year deal, two-year deal. So I would assume the player is going to want term to secure him somewhere until the end of his career. If that's not the case, I'll be shocked. But, you know, crazier things have happened. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, just to reiterate, I think if it's four and a half times three, the Leafs do that in a heartbeat. That's an Alex Kerfoot deal, basically. That's an inflated Alex Kerfoot deal. He was making three and a half times four back when the salary cap was a couple million bucks less. So, and, you know, next year it's only going up by a million bucks the following year we're expecting around four million between four and five same thing the year after that between four and five so over this next three-year period it could go up as much as 11 million dollars and if that's the case you're fine if you're the Leafs to pay Ryan O'Reilly four and a half if it's more than that and he wants term fine let let him walk he'll go somewhere else someone will over overpay him especially because he's the top center on the market right now but but yeah so that that's my thought on on vancouver i don't know if i see it working for the player although if if you're the team that's exactly the type of player you want um because ownership wants to compete right away and they just lost bo horvat so they need someone to to fill that center depth so yeah exactly and i mean i i could see o'reilly getting along really well with with rick tockett i could see that being a a really good relationship but again it's it's you know it's dollars and again i could see vancouver being a team that would overpay for ryan o'reilly we we know what what they've been like in in free agency in the past so um but it's just it's a matter of uh of dollars and term and whether or not he'd want to go there but anyway i i like the fit for that team yeah um all right let's move on to number four on our list and that's uh tyler bertuzzi who of course uh was a a great fit with the boston bruins uh after going there from the detroit red wings he's uh he he's got that you know that snarl that grit to his game and uh can can certainly produce offensively as well and he'll be looking for a nice deal this summer as one of the top players on the free agent market so Tyler Bertuzzi, where do you see him going, Chad? Yeah, so this is a bit of a tough one because we know this is a player who can produce and plays with that bite like you alluded to. Um, But just talking about his production, you know, 30 points in 50 games last year between Detroit and Boston. And his highest is 62 in 68 games in 2021-22 with Detroit. He's currently on a deal... That pays him 4.75 for the last two years. And I think he'll probably get a raise, but maybe not by much because he's been a player that's been in and out of the lineup so much, especially going back to the uh, to the bubble years where he wasn't able to play in Canada. So I was thinking about that a little bit. I have a feeling the player doesn't want to play in Canada for personal reasons. However, I have him going to a Canadian team just because I think the fit makes a lot of sense. And I think Bertuzzi, if that's the case, if he doesn't want to play in Canada, might be able to tolerate it for a chance to play with 
Connor McDavid in Edmonton. I think that fit would be a match made in heaven. How great of a fit was Evander Kane in Edmonton playing with McDavid? Like just yeah. adding a player like that who who brings some bite and can score to give you some some depth scoring in the playoffs. So to take a little bit of the load off of McDavid and Drysaddle, like that is the perfect fit for me in Edmonton. And the deal I have him signing uh, would be five million bucks AAV for three years. So the player is only 28. Okay, that would bring him to 33. And at that point, or or sorry, on a three-year deal, not a five-year deal. I think I said that. So that would bring him to 31. Yeah. And at that point, you'd be betting on yourself. Playing three years with McDavid, you know, if things don't go well, Connor leaves your last year and then you get flipped at the deadline or something. Uh, or things do go well, you win a cup, Connor stays, and you re-sign in Edmonton. So I think you're betting on yourself with a three-year deal, Bertuzzi is. Uh, and, and I think it makes a ton of sense. So what do you think of that one? Yeah, well, I, I love the fit, first of all, and we know that uh, Edmonton certainly does need to add another top six forward. We certainly expect Kyler Yamamoto, who makes just over $3 million bucks, to be dealt here at some point to give them some extra space, and Yamamoto just hasn't been able to produce in, in Edmonton like they had hoped, um, but it makes a lot of sense, man. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to a team that I, I really feel is is close to a to a Stanley Cup win. They could certainly be uh, the Stanley Cup champions in in twenty twenty four. You get to go and and play with the best player on the planet, and you know the general manager too. You know Ken Holland from yes. your days in Detroit. <laughs> so I think it'd be a great fit. It's just a matter of Edmonton trying to you know um, exercise some salary cap gymnastics in order to to make that work because they're right up against it and they're going to have to get creative and like i said we certainly expect uh, kyler yamamoto to be moved on from here very shortly so there you go there's your three million bucks or whatever he makes free up another two and you've got bertuzzi because i think like something around a five point or five million bucks times three years i think that makes a ton of sense like i said bet on yourself and i'm glad you mentioned uh the ken holland connection as well his first two contracts bertuzzi that is were signed by ken holland so there is that connection there i just think this is a match made in heaven i don't see him going back to detroit there's no, no chance he can re-sign in Boston. Uh, they just don't have the cap space. I think if any team in Canada, that is, is going to be able to do it, it would be Edmonton. Um, so, yeah, I think the stars are just align- aligning to see Tyler Bertuzzi in Edmonton. Oh, I, I love that, man. And, uh, geez, this uh, kind of contradicts my uh, my pick a little bit because I've got him going back to the Boston Bruins. We know really? that, uh, yeah, we know that Don Sweeney ha- has that as a priority to re-sign him, um, especially with the little bit of extra space that they have after sending Taylor Hall and Nick Felino to the Chicago Blackhawks for Alec uh, 
uh, Regula and Ian Mitchell, two defensemen, by the way, who uh, Jim Montgomery is is very familiar with. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be tough for for the Bruins salary cap wise, and so that was the toughest exercise for me yeah. with uh, with armchair GM and cap friendly, and and uh, you know the fact that Boston needs a centerman because I, I think we expect uh, and it, you know anything could happen, but I think we all expect that Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci will not be back with the Boston Bruins. I mean, we'll see, but we we will see. I don't know if I would say I expect that yet. I think, yeah, like Patrice, I think is a guy who you know I know he's had those back issues, but he might just be able to do one more year. I don't know if it's feasible because you'd have to yeah. pay him again, and him and Krejci both had pretty good years considering their age, and especially Krejci considering he went overseas for a couple of years and came back yeah, and was true. just as good. But yeah. I, I, just when I was looking at it, you've got Bergeron and Krejci to sign, or if neither of them come back, then a center to replace those two guys, which is going to be tough. You can't be running, you know, Thomas Nosek as your your first line center, second line (laughs) center. So, you know, you have to figure that out. And then Bertuzzi doesn't play down the middle. So that's, that would be tough. But then also you have Jeremy Swayman to deal with as well. Like, are you going to move on from him? Is someone going to offer sheet him? Are you going to sign him and then move all Mark? Like I just, the cap situation there just freaks me out. I don't know what they're going to do, but yeah. I, I just don't know if, if Bertuzzi works like what, like what kind of contract do you have him signing there? Well, I I've got Bertuzzi at around five times five in uh, in Boston but man it was tough trying to do this in in cap friendly so um you know and and this has been rumored as well but maybe they could uh they could find a, a taker for a guy like Matt Grizzlick who makes um you know close to 4 million at around 3.7 million approximately for another season you could buy out Mike Riley in the final year of his 3 million dollar deal or you know just find a taker like he he's from Illinois maybe you send him to Chicago um for you know futures or or whatever but yeah, and then uh, the, the, I know that they would probably like to re-sign a guy like Garnet Hathaway as well, and that wouldn't be an issue. It you know it'd be pretty cheap that I think you'd be able to bring a guy like that back, probably just over a million dollars. But yep. you've got Jeremy Swayman at, as you mentioned. Um, and you've also got Trent Frederick, who had a nice season last year. I think he had 17 goals and, um, you know, is is a, a younger player and, and plays that Boston Bruins type of game. And so he's definitely due for uh, for a pay raise as well. So it was it was tough, but. I was able to, you know, make it fit. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're left with basically nothing, you know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars in in cap space by bringing back uh, Tyler Bertuzzi at at five times five. But who knows what they do? You know, if Bergeron and Krejci come back, maybe they decide to move on from Linus Allmark instead of Jeremy Swayman, given that he is younger and is considered to be the goalie of the future. This one was was tough but um we we've seen reports out there that boston would would really like to bring bertuzzi back 
Just don't know how they're going to do it, but uh, I could see it ending up being around a, a five times five kind of deal. But maybe they would be able to consider or maybe they would be able to convince him to take a bit of a cut um, in Boston versus what he could get out on the open market. But I like your Edmondson idea. That makes a ton of sense as well with a nice connection there. Yeah, so just on the Boston thing, on on your cap-friendly armchair GM, who do you have playing down the middle if they bring back Bertuzzi, and who do you have in net? Yeah, so that's... That's that's the interesting thing. It was tough. I mean, Pavel Zaka had a good season last year and had chemistry with David Pasternak. Now he's not a first line center, but you know you could you could roll with him as your first line center between Marchand and Pasternak. Then you've got Coyle at number two. Um, Trent Frederick's natural position is center, so maybe you move him to to your third line center spot, and then uh, Mark McLaughlin, who we've seen a little bit, would would come in as your fourth line center. So I know that sounds a little Oof. thin down the middle, but I mean, if like, you want, Arizona to bring... has a deeper center core than that, <laughs> man. Like if I, there's no chance, they cannot do that. If that's if yeah. both guys can't come back. I don't see a world where they sign Bertuzzi. And if they do, and their center depth looks like that going into game one, like they are in trouble because the Atlantic is only getting better. Yeah. Well, and, and I could see Boston like looking for a, a top line center in, through the trade market yes. rather than going to free agency because I, I think, you know, the next best option after um, Ryan O'Reilly would probably be JT Comfer, who had a nice season last year. But again, like he can also play wing. That was kind of an outlier season for him. How much would he want all of it? So I don't know. Maybe they don't bring back Bertuzzi at all, clear some more space, and and you bring in another Lindholm and Elias from Calgary. Who knows? So and maybe you include a guy like Swayman or Allmark in a deal for a center. Yeah, because you've got two That's guys right. who are number one goalies. It doesn't make any sense to have both of them there because I'm sure Swayman is going to want some some good money uh, at least as far as goalies go so maybe they figure it out that way but then the cap still has to work so i don't i don't know it's going to be a tough off season for the bruins man oh it it is yeah it's going to be really tough for sure but uh we know that they they want to keep them but uh it's just a matter of making it work financially that's going to be hard so all right the uh the fifth and and final player on our top five ufa list and that's alex Kalorn. and chad as you pointed out earlier today uh off uh, off the show here that uh he he's got the most points out of all the forwards available a good veteran who's uh who's won a couple of stanley cups with the tampa bay lightning of course, and uh, you know, every year it's like we've expected Tampa to not be able to bring back Alex Kalorn, and uh, the same was said about Andre Pilat. Um, he goes last off season, and I, I just don't see a path where Tampa Bay is able to bring back Alex Kalorn, who's meant so much to them uh, over the years. So, where do you have Kalorn, the longtime Tampa Bay Lightning forward, going, Chad? Well, I'm glad that you mentioned Andre Pallot because I see Kalorn's deal looking eerily similar to that one. A guy who played for a long chunk of time in Tampa Bay, got his cups, and then they couldn't afford him. So 
Uh, Palat makes, I believe, six million bucks now in New Jersey. And I think the same thing is going to happen to Kalorn. You mentioned that he led all UFAs in scoring this year. He had 64 points. He hasn't been a 64-point player his whole career, but he's been, you know, in and around a 50-point guy, 40-point guy. Like, he's been a good depth option, middle six player. And I think now he's turned into... Uh, you know, a really good veteran option for a team who is up and coming, who can lead the way and score some goals very similarly to how Andre Palat was treated last offseason by the Devils, a team who was ready to compete and wanted to add a piece who could put them over the top. And well, they got to the second round. So I see a team doing a, a following suit in a similar fashion. And I think that team could be the Detroit Red Wings. Six times six is the deal that I'm looking at for Alex Kalorn. I don't think he wants to leave Tampa Bay, but unless they give him an eight-year deal at like four million bucks, I just don't see it happening. And I mentioned the eight-year deal because that's what Tampa's been doing. They've been giving them out like candies and to try to try to keep the AAV low. You know, I'm thinking about guys like Sergachev and Paul and, and those guys, but yeah. I just don't see a world where he comes back. And I think six times six in Detroit to add to that young up and coming core might be enough to get them over the hump in the Atlantic and get into the playoffs for the first time in a while. What do you think about that one? Well, I have the exact same thing. I have Alex Klorn uh, reuniting with uh, Stevie Y in Detroit. I think it makes a ton of sense. Again, they're a team that is looking to improve and take the next step and try and get into the playoffs this upcoming season. They've got a shitload of cap space as well, uh, a little over $30 million in cap space, so they can do a lot. I think that uh, this is a great player to add to that organization. Yes, we know that he doesn't want to leave Tampa, but uh, he's got a lot of familiarity with with Iserman, and I'm sure he would love to to bring him in. I'm sure that if uh, he was able to sign Andre Palat last season, then uh, he he certainly would have, and uh, and I'm sure he looked into it. But yeah, I've got Kalorn going to Detroit at six times five, so just a, you know a bit shorter on term given his age, but is still a, a great player and uh and then that would leave Detroit with you know close to 25 million in in cap space to do a lot of of other things i think they need to add another defenseman i think that uh you know another former lightning and radko gudis could potentially be a fit there um we we saw um Iserman overpay for for Ben Sherratt last offseason. Maybe he does the same with with Gudis. And uh, we know that uh, they'll be looking to add another goaltender to go with Vili Husso as well. But yeah, focusing on Kalorn, I've got him going to Detroit. I knew that's where you were going with this one. I think it's a perfect fit. The familiarity is there with the GM and uh, it would certainly help them take the next step. For sure. It just makes too much sense to me. Like I look at yeah. Pilat, I see what happened there and I see the New Jersey Devils where they were and I think, okay, who's a comparable team in that situation with some cap space to send or, or to spend with some up and coming stars? Well, Detroit fits that bill and I think Kalorn could really help them out. 
Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And uh, and there we have it. Your, uh, your top five unrestricted free agents heading into uh, NHL free agency. Again, it's a bit of a weaker class this offseason. We, we've heard a lot about uh, teams, you know, they would rather improve their, uh, their rosters on uh, the trade market rather than uh, free agency. But it's still going to be interesting, um, especially the, uh, the goaltender market. Market. But uh, there we go. That's our top five. Let us know what you think. And uh, again, enjoy the NHL draft on Wednesday night. It's going to be an awesome offseason in the NHL. Chad, anything more before we wrap up here? Uh, that's pretty much everything. You mentioned a bit of a weaker uh, UFA class. I wanted to mention that off the top and I forgot to do so. Um, I mean, I guess it's pretty evident, though, if a guy like Ryan O'Reilly is the number one center on the market. Um, but then you look at the trade market and there's like Elias Lindholm and, you know, everybody from Calgary. And I'm sure JT's, <laughs> JT Miller's name is still out there. And, you know, so the trade market is definitely uh, where it's at if you're trying to improve your team and not overpay. I don't want to make comparisons between this UFA class and the 2016 one, but how many times did we mention this episode that we could see a team overpaying for a player? And dude, maybe it happens. I don't know if it'll be the same as, you know, your Andrew Lads and Louis Erickson's and whatever, but could be some overpays for some aging, slower players in this UFA class. Yeah, I've, uh, geez, I've, I've thought about that as well. Looking back at that 2016 class, uh, those deals look rough now, and a lot of them are, are expired at this point. So, um, yeah, no, the a bit of a comparison is there for sure. All right, that does it for episode 176. Thanks so much for listening to this one. Uh, we're going to have another episode dropping next week, and just a heads up, after that, we will be taking a bit of a summer break. So, you won't have to hear uh, from us for a little bit and uh, you can just enjoy your summer but appreciate all the support uh, as always thanks for listening to this one and we'll chat with you again next week enjoy your Canada Day long weekend and before that of course the NHL draft on Wednesday night take care this has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.